You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Sources podcast, presented by Blue Mark Energy, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Sources podcast sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. We have a full show today and a big announcement in our second segment about future programming at Go PowerCat and some of the things we got cooking. But first, as your company or your employer spend 4000 or more a year on energy bills, would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, we're not messing around here in the first half of this week's Sources podcast. We have a very special guest, a good friend of mine who we haven't heard from in a little spell, but here he is on the PowerCat podcast because I want to get his thoughts on K-State football and honestly what's going on with KU basketball and the NCAA investigation. Welcome to the PowerCat podcast, Mr. Kevin Keatsman. How you doing, buddy? You good? Hey, I'm doing great. That's how you been. You've been out mowing lawns? Is that is You got a part-time gig like, like uh, mowing lawns and trimming stuff? But I am not embarrassed to say what my part-time gig is. I've been working a couple, three days a week. For a, I'm driving my own car for a courier company. My wife talked me out of driving Uber. I went stir-crazy after about 60 <laughs> days of not working. She said, if you drive Uber, you're going to get some of those crazy sports fans in your car, and you're not going to be able to get away from them. I said, that's right. So she talked me out of that. I'm driving my own car for a courier company, and what it's been great at is I drive around all day and can listen to talk radio, politics, whatever, sports radio. I'm getting some good ideas. And I make, you know, like 15 or 20 different stops a day with all kinds of different people in all kinds of different zip codes in Kansas City. I feel like I've completely reconnected. You know, I, I was living in a bubble for a long time. Exactly. You're in a radio studio and you live your life and you have a routine. You kind of forget what your city's all about. I've met hundreds of people over the last few weeks doing this. I've received so many more hugs and pats on the back than I ever did when I was on the air. And it's just been great stopping and talking to people who love sports. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. That's great. Uh, we're going to be pretty limited in what we talk about with the whole situation because that's not why I had you on. I'm not going to uh, bring you on to talk about the ins and outs of uh, your stepping aside from WHB and being on the air. That's ongoing, the settlement of that and all those issues. But uh, you haven't done anything like this since you stepped off the air at 810, and we're really glad to have you. But first and foremost, you're a K-Stater. People forget that because you did such a good job of trying to rise above it. I know in media in general now, it's it's kind of funny how the fan websites and magazines like us all of a sudden have become more independent media than a lot of the traditional media that is clearly pandering not to make fans mad and, and you know, try to stay on the good side of the people that uh, they are begging to listen or watch or read. Uh, and the independent media is really threatened right now because so many of the entities, whether they uh, own, you know, like K-State's doing a lot of their own stuff, they do really good productions, uh, or whether they have rights out there, uh, the entities are really protecting their brand and putting a lot of influence on the media right now, aren't they? Yeah, and it's disturbing on a lot of different levels. It's not just sports. It's journalism in America and where we are. You know, everybody's got a, an agenda, an affiliation. If you've got an affiliation 
in my opinion, you're simply not honest media. Yeah, you can't be. You you, you use the word I think pander, and I think that's right. And you know, I think we see that everywhere from ESPN in a way which they would maybe, you know, they used to throw things on outside the lines and say, okay, here's the one show for one hour a day where we can actually still do journalism, but everything else is just going to be unicorns and rainbows because we have affiliations with the NFL and, you know, this league and that league. And the classic example here is NASCAR, okay? When ESPN had NASCAR, it was just, I mean, butt-kiss, butt-kiss, butt-kiss. They loved them some NASCAR and promoted the races. Well, NASCAR's falling on hard times. They left ESPN, it's gone. Everybody wants to be there. That's not sports journalism. That's not what this is all about. When you have affiliations with teams, it becomes very, very complicated to be fair in what you do. And I think, I think there's just fewer, fewer and fewer places in America in sports journalism and in news and politics as well where you can literally go to work every day and say, all we're going to do is try to put the truth out there and say, this is what's really going on. I'm not going to try to be a funny man. I'm not going to be a comic. I'm not going to pander to somebody. I'm not going to kiss somebody's butt. But here's the truth. And somehow, in this great country, that's dying. Yeah, unfortunately. You know, I look around the landscape of what we do, and there's a lot of people out there that have forgotten that you can be critical and fair at the same time. You can balance those things. You know, you can have a relationship with Kansas State, in my case, uh, and still be critical at times. And, and hold good relationships with people. It's about being fair. And everyone's just so scared now. Well, we got one phone call. We got someone mad. We got one advertiser upset. Yeah, man, you just gotta you gotta wade through that and just keep persisting. It's it's, it's really hard to do. And I think oh, because social media has amped up the volume so loudly now, it it's just overwhelming for the bosses and quite honestly, a lot of the journalists. They just don't want to put up with it, so then they just kind of break and say, you know what, I'm just going to be nice about everything. I think I've probably still told this story in the past. The only coach that I ever remember calling our control room while I was on the air live was Bill Snyder. And it was the year after K-State won the Big 12 championship, and he was holding the rings back from some of the players. He didn't like the way they were practicing, didn't like the attitude. And I had a, a player's dad who lived in North Kansas City call me and tell me this was going on. And, and those, these were the days you're going to double verify i need two sources so i started calling around trying to find another parent trying to find somebody else i finally found out about a week i found another one they said yeah it's true he's got all these big 12 championship rings underneath his desk up there at the veneer complex and he didn't like the way the team was practicing and so he held them back and wasn't giving them to the players yet and i think they were maybe two or four games into the season at this point if i recall correctly and i was talking about this on the air and i got the call came through and it was coach and he was livid that i was saying this and i said well is it true and he and i think he said something effective well that's beside the point i said no it's actually not that's, that is that's the, the point. only point here is it true um but i respect the man and in uh, you know he's, he's such a great person and, and done so many great things i knew by the tone of the call what we were talking about that he had done this and i think we've laughed about it a couple of times since then but i you know those that's just to me that's the way you do it and the fact that i went to school there is a much smaller thing to me than do i have a good story or a good segment on the radio when i was on the radio that's all i wanted was a good segment well i agree you're the master of it and you helped grow whb into something i don't think kansas cityans fully appreciate uh how uh, powerful that sports radio station was in context of market penetration and and influence and it it's really cool. And in some ways, uh, you did such a good job, you paved the way for competition because there was enough in the marketplace where someone said, we can carve out our own place here. And it won't surprise me if on down the road someone else launches another you know, radio station or something. It's, but it's the market's changing, and now we're, we're proving it. Podcasting. You can just uh, – I call it appointment radio. You know, you don't have to have your appointment from 2 to 6 to listen to your radio show. Here's a podcast, um, and I think an entity will come along and offer a full range of daily programming on via podcast so people can just listen when they want to. It's, it's a cool medium. I, I think that's – yeah, I've had probably a thousand people tell me over the last three months I need to do a podcast. And I, while I cannot talk about my situation, I can tell you this: I can come on as a guest with you, Fitz, but I can't do a whole lot else right now. Yeah, I, that's all right. So. You, you, you know what? And you don't need to. You just need to uh, get your feet back under you. And you know, I love what you're doing. That's really cool. I mean, that's cool. It's 
going out and just getting out of the house and meeting with people and uh, driving around a great town is, is, is a pretty good way to just pass the time and and uh, get things done. Well, Yeah, it's also fulfilling. You know, some of these, these runs I'm on, uh, my daughter works at Children's Mercy, and the blood bank is not very far from there. And I told them anytime the blood center needs anything, there's any blood or whatever, um, put me on the blood runs. They're basically volunteer work. You take them to the hospitals. There's been some neat ones. I even drove to Lawrence one day with one box of platelets. It was an emergency delivery. You feel like you're helping people. You're doing the right thing. There's there's a, a very rewarding aspect to some of this as well. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Also rewarding is Kansas State football. Um, boy, mm. boy, buddy, it's it's fun to watch. It I feel like the energy is being just pushed right back into the program. I feel like they're back in the, I don't know what year to put it at. I mean, you know, maybe 95, you know, when, you know, it's we're rediscovering or discovering how fun K-State football can be. But the energy is just surging into the program right now under Chris Kleiman. And if you're Gene Taylor, you got to feel really good about your decision because things look peachy in Manhattan at 3-0. and well, one of the perks of not having a job was Coach Kleiman invited me to come up to a practice for the first game. And I, I was able to sit in and watch a practice, and I can't share, obviously, what he told me. But I, I will share this little anecdote I thought was very interesting. And I don't – this is so old school. You know, Marty Schottenheimer used to do this, but the coaches don't do this today. This practice was underway. We're, he's probably 30 minutes into this practice. And he walks over, and I'm with a couple of friends. I won't say who they were. Um, but he walks over and just starts talking to us. And he must have stood over there and talked to us for 10 minutes, answered every question we had, let all his assistant coaches – run their position groups, run the practice, do their thing. I'm like, Coach, don't you need to go out there and coach? He said, my staff is so good, they all know exactly what they're doing. My job is to walk around and, and evaluate what we have and do this and do that. I think he's a little more hands-on maybe with the defensive backs and, and part of the defense. But it was just unbelievable. And he, he's, he's such a likable guy. He's such a perfect fit for Kansas State. And if your wildest dreams on a scale of 1 to 10 when Chris Kleiman was hired was that he'd be a 7, He's already a nine and a half. Right. Okay. He's already shown in three games they will not be out coached. They may there may be some teams with better players. Okay. And they may make some mental mistakes. They may fumble the ball and do some things like that. But those aren't coaching mistakes. Those are mistakes out of effort. When you're running up trying to field a punt, should you get out of the way and not make a hard catch? Yes. But these are kids that, you know, how many years did we watch K State basketball where it seemed like there was so much pressure on the players, nobody wanted to go try to make a play. They always looked tentative and scared like something bad was going to happen. Well, that's gone with Chris Klein, and these guys just want to go make plays. And if they botch a couple by being aggressive, I think I can live with that. The coaching is just so solid of this football team. It is, it's it's stunning to look at, really. Yeah, I was talking to a next player um, over the weekend, and they said, you know, that's the feedback they're hearing from internal is that these coaches are so good. I mean, that everyone's kind of blown away about – with the level of coaching that the players are receiving and the understanding of the game, it's really taken it to another level. And let's be blunt. I mean, K-State's coaching staff when Bill Snyder arrived was incredible. It was amazing, but it got blood off. People kept siphoning off talent, and he was never able to replace the talent with equal talent. It was like he wasn't doing a good enough job recruiting coaches, let alone players, and eventually you could see the difference on the field. Not to be overly critical of the coaches he had, but there was, as we saw, there was too many guys in that staff waiting for retirement. Just, well, when a yeah. coach is done, I'm done. And Well, and the beauty of this staff is they're all trying to prove they belong in the Big 12. Right. And at the highest level of college football, they got a chip on their shoulder now. They're, they're going to prove to everybody that what we've done before at our other stops was not a fluke. We can do that here. And I, I just think it's really exciting. This was not Coach Kleiner, but another person that I talked to the day I was up there, I said, how many games do you think you can win? And, and this person said, eight and i got kind of excited and they said look we're going to beat a team or two that people don't think we're going to beat and it sounds like a low bar but all we have to do is be the best first year staff in this league mm-hmm. meaning we got to be better than west virginia texas tech and kansas and we can just start picking off wins right and left and their their goal it sounded to me like the whole offseason was just be the best first year staff and what they tried to do was simplify everything and i know that you guys wrote about this a lot during training camp don't be too physical. Don't have injuries. Simplify this. Simplify that. I think their their thought process was the simpler we go here, if everyone else is going to try to implement something completely and radically different at these other schools, we'll have a tremendous advantage on where we are coaching-wise when we play those teams at the Big 12. And I think they, their main goal this year is make sure you're the best first-year staff 
in this league. And if you check that box, you're probably going to win eight games. It's what it seems they're doing. I watched that West Virginia-Kansas game, and I thought Kansas was the better team based on, you know, I don't even think uh, Les Miles has done a great job. It might have been the the same under David Beatty with uh, where the program's at. I thought West Virginia looked lost and confused under Neil Brown for much of that game. Uh, And it just doesn't look like they're grasping or buying into the system. Well, that's not happening in Manhattan. These guys are bought in. Everyone's bought in. You know, we, we talk about the players all the time, but the staff's bought in, the administration's bought in, you know, the fringe people in the athletic department that, you know, the energy's there, and now the fans are on the buy-in. I think there's going to be a ton of fans on Saturday night, in part because the ESPN Plus thing, the games on ESPN Plus, they're just going to go to Stillwater, buy a ticket. I bet you there's going to be five, six, maybe 8,000 cats at that game because there's tickets available. They can get into that stadium. And if that happens... That really will feel like old school Kansas State football. When the games weren't always on TV, you went. You just found a way to get to the stadium, and it'll be very telling to see what the crowd is in Stillwater. Well, this is one of the, it's a little like on a start zone. If you got nothing to lose, uh, go play them, go win it. I know this, but Oklahoma State, they have speed and talent all yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they can just flat light it up. But, you know, Gundy runs a great program. He wins eight-plus games pretty much every year. They're always ranked at some point in the season. They almost never beat Oklahoma. You kind of know what they are, but I've never really watched Oklahoma State and said, boy, this guy really X's and O's his ways to a lot of wins. I think that's K-State's best play this week. I think they got to find a way to scheme this thing defensively uh, to either hold Oklahoma State to some field goals or force some three and outs, and if they do that, they're going to have a great chance. You know, we kind of lose track of how many fourth-quarter wins Skylar Thompson has because there was still kind of a quarterback controversy last year. But I like K-State's chances in almost any game this year they get to the fourth quarter. They just did that in Starkville. They're going to do it a lot of times. When you have a great offensive line and a veteran quarterback, you've got one up on most of the teams you play, and that's where K-State lives. And I, I really thought at Mississippi State that all he was doing in that game was coaching that game to the fourth quarter. Right. It's like, get me to the fourth quarter, we're going to win a football game. And that may not always sit well with the fans, but when you're kind of defining who you are and it's the beginning of your tenure, I think it's the right thing to do. Don't go lose this game Saturday night. Don't go fall behind 21-3. to 3. Keep it close, keep it close, keep it close. Get it to the fourth quarter and win the game. And they didn't run the ball statistically very well at Mississippi State, but they battered the Bulldogs. They absolutely hammered them at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. But really that running game set up everything that took place in, in the fourth quarter and, and special teams revisited Kansas State at the exact time they needed it. Um, I don't know. There's a special teams angel hovering over the program, but Malik Knowles with that kickoff return sure did feel like old K-State football. It really did. did. Okay, now let me ask you this one, because I've asked a bunch of people this, and I wasn't at the game, but I was watching on TV. One of the punts that Mississippi State had was tipped or blocked by Kansas State partially, and it went about 28 yards, and K-State's return man came up and fumbled the ball, and Mississippi State got the ball. I never saw a replay that showed K-State blocking that punt. Was that punt tipped? Do you really believe that? Yeah, I think it was. If if that punt was tipped, Mississippi State cannot recover the ball. That's a good point. You cannot. The K-State return man would have to possess the ball and then fumble it, which clearly didn't happen. And nobody caught this. The white hat was standing right there. I got to think if that ball was tipped, the white hat saw it and would have made some sort of a motion. And certainly the, the, the referee would know the rule. I got to think maybe that thing was not tipped in any way. It was just a shank. Because yeah. I, I was just screaming on my television. The announcers were like, that one was blocked. I'm like, it's blocked. Mississippi State can't have the ball. Unless I completely lost my mind. Am I not right? Boy, we're getting into weird special teams rules right now because it just happened with Kansas with yeah, but, uh, their, but you, their situation. You tipped it and it went up in the air. Let's assume one of the K-State guys was blocking somewhere downfield, okay, and it just hits him on the head. Mississippi State can't recover that ball? I don't think so. You're, you're bringing up a good point. I don't think it was tipped. And unless there's some rule that I don't know of, if it was tipped, I don't think Mississippi State can recover it. Huh. Well, we'll check into that. I, I know this. It was almost like Chris Kleiman was like, okay, we made another mistake. So what? Let's go win this football game. They never yeah. altered their demeanor on that sideline. There was never yelling and cursing and, you know, heads hanging. You know, as he said in the postgame uh, locker room, I talked about 
social media and the university is doing a great job. It's really cool to be able to see that post-game locker room a little bit. He said, guys, it made mistakes. We need you. Get your heads up. We need you. And I thought, what a great message. There's no, yeah. there's no punishment here. You're part of this team. You know you screwed up. You own that mistake. You you own the accountability that comes with that mistake. You don't need the coach to tell you. And that that's a cool difference in what you see a lot of coaches do. Yeah, football's a great sport now. It couldn't be going any better, but you're only as good as your next game. Yeah. So, you know, they got to keep going. I, I told a friend, I said, if there were any players on that team that hadn't completely bought in yet, let's say you're a backup and you think you should be starting and you're 80% bought in and you kind of like it. When you got on that charter flight from start, go back to Manhattan, I don't care who you are in that program. You are bought in completely right. at this point. It must have been, that must have been the greatest feeling in the world to win that game and think, especially for somebody who's maybe been there three, four, five years. And they're looking at it like, you know, okay, we got this new coach. He's from North Coast State. I'm not sure. You must be thinking right now, this is, um, I'm in with this guy. I am all in with this guy. I have a theory that the Bill Snyder buy in with the fans, the full hearted, we got your back coach, ended with a lackadaisical, heartless effort at Vanderbilt. That they invested their time and passion to go to Nashville to watch that game. Um, and. They, the players and coaches just didn't look like they cared. They didn't look like they were prepared, and they lost to an inferior team that, frankly, looked a lot better than K-State. I thought that was the day when fans said, okay, I'm going to keep going to games, but um, you know, I'm not going to keep spending my fortune and you know, wasting all my emotion on K-State football if this is what you're going to give me in return. And then to have this bookend, that brief period where fans were just kind of like, okay, uh, I, I like I like K-State football, and bam, go to the SEC again. It's just kind of a perfect beginning and end to that period. Go beat a better team. That, that, that Mississippi State team is a lot better than that Vanderbilt team K-State lost to in 2017. Boom, win the game, and the fans just lit back up. It'll be interesting to see if they can carry that energy down to – to Stillwater in what I think is an enormous game, not just for K-State's season, but in the Big 12, because this is going to decide probably maybe who the third team is in this conference. Yeah. You know, the big difference in this game for Kansas State, the big advantage going in is just experience at quarterback. Yeah. Huge advantage for Kansas State in this game. I agree. Skyler Thompson has been special. Well, let's uh, shift gears now. Uh, something else has kind of caught our attention, and it in some ways is a K-State sports topic, and it's KU basketball. One, you could say that uh, with K-State fans are always thinking about KU basketball with certain chance, but uh, when – Bad things happen to KU. K-Staters get happy. Missouri fans do, too. Let's be fair. Um, KU now has received their letter notification from the NCAA of what these allegations are. They've been leaked now to the media. These are serious, serious allegations. We don't know what evidence they have. You know, Bill Self at Kansas has taken the uh, they've got it all wrong. I'm innocent. You know, I, I I know this is blood on my hands. I just don't know where it came from kind of uh, routine. You know, that's his stance. Kevin, KU basketball is KU basketball is in a little hurt right now. I mean, this what are your thoughts on this investigation as it launches into these allegations in Lawrence? Well, I think. First of all, I think they're going to get a postseason ban. I think it's going to take quite a while. I think they're going to drag it out as long as they can. Sure. If Bill Self gets a show cause charge, uh, he's going to go to the NBA. Sure. He'll just be gone because he won't be able to coach in college. That's the way they set this thing up. So a lot of this can go a lot of different ways for Kansas. None of them are particularly good. Here's the biggest mistake I think Kansas made, and we knew it at the time. In order to try to get Silvio de Sosa eligible, yeah. they basically admitted to the NCAA that this T.J. Gasnola is an agent of KU Athletics. He's a, he's a sponsor. He's a booster, whatever. They classified him as that in order to plead ignorance on behalf of DeSouza. So DeSouza could say, hey, DeSouza didn't know. Now they're going to go argue, well, this guy was just a booster or an agent of our, of our school, but we're not responsible for that. When, you know, the night before Bill Self goes into the College Basketball Hall of Fame, he's having dinner with T.J. Gasnola at the banquet at that city. This is a guy that he hung with a lot. Kansas has been very brazen in all of this, okay, from day one. One of the things that I consistently said over the last two years has been going on now for about a year and a half for Kansas, for two years total, was how in the world, even if you have an association with Larry Brown, 
how do you have him sitting in the seat that Alan Field has? I agree. Why, why, if you're Bill Self, are you saying, this is my mentor? You are literally running around sticking up your middle finger to the NCAA. Larry Brown is the dirtiest coach in the history of college basketball. It's not arguable. He's basically been uh, put on probation and had fans at every school he ever coached at. And this is the guy you're bellying up with as your buddy. And did you notice who was named in the thing yesterday in the notice of allegations? Yep. Larry Brown for hooking him up with Silvio de Souza. And there's Larry Brown's name. Larry Brown's name. You know what doesn't fly in Indianapolis with the NCAA? They do not like Larry Brown. They don't. And now they find him a way to put his name into KU's issues. It is brazen the way Kansas went through this thing. And to sit there and think they're going to come up with facts to defend them because it's misinterpretations or miss this or miss that. When they've already said Gas Nola basically is a booster of their program, how are they then going to go into a court of law and claim that he's not? Right. I don't understand that. I, I think KU's end game here is they want to go to court. I think they're going to—they're not going to do any. They're going to get hammered by the NCAA. They're going to say blank you. We're not accepting any of this and file a lawsuit and try to get it into a federal court. I honestly believe that that's their strategy here. Good luck with that. I mean, you were a member of the NCAA by choice. Um, and you can sit here and argue all you want that the NCAA is inconsistent. They don't do things the same way for different schools. Uh, they're unfairly, you know, still hammering Reggie Bush at USC. I get it. There's a bunch of different things. Whenever you're dealing with the NCAA, there's no sense of consistency and and sometimes fairness. They're just going to come up with whatever they want. Well, it kind of depends on yeah. the mood of the investigator. The, the other thing is, and, and God bless some of these Kansas fans, um, <laughs> but when they say things like Billy Preston, okay, he got $90,000, but he never played in the game. My response to that is, okay, Billy Preston got $90,000. How much did Josh Jackson get? Right. I mean, we're just talking about this little bitty, tiny, teeny amount that the FBI found in cases where they were trying not to expose basketball programs. They were only trying to expose T.J. Gasnola's buddies, Merle Code, James Gatto, and those guys. They, the FBI literally was trying to protect programs in the court of law. They didn't want to go after the programs. They wanted the individuals first, and that's what they were doing. And so if they have that – look, if you're sitting here saying Billy Preston, he didn't play there, got $90,000, and I don't think anybody's disputing that, I just, I'll just ask the question again. How much did Josh Jackson get? Because his mom's on the FBI list. Apple Jones, I think is her name. She's on the FBI list of people that can be subpoenaed as a witness or whatever. She never was called to trial, but the FBI could get that information. They weren't interested. Now, the NCAA can't get any information from her. They don't have subpoena power. But this is just look, – look, they wrote in this notice of allegations for a reason. They went all the way back to 1957. What the NCAA has said, this program has cheated everyone for 60 years, and we're done with it. They've been cheating at every turn since 1957. And we're sick of it, and we're going to bring up 1957, and we're going to mention Larry Brown that he did something wrong, and everybody's going to know that he coached there, and he's Bill Self's mentor, and T.J. Gasnola was at dinner with Bill Self at the Hall of Fame, and all these other things. They've had it. it, it is a, it's a culture and an order of business, and Kansas is not alone. It is true. I think there's maybe 10 to 20 programs that do a lot of this, but I, I'm not the guy that thinks it's 400 basketball programs no. in America are doing this. I think it's 10 to 20 that it's just become systemic. And it doesn't matter who the chancellor is or who the athletic director is or who the coach. It's just the way the whole fandom and everything around Kansas basketball program is and always has been. And there's never been a reason to change. The question is, will this be the reason to change? If you set the speed limit at 65, but you don't enforce it until you go 90, some people are going to go 90. And yeah. other people will go 65. And guess what? The people going 90 will go further, faster, um, and, and get there and look better doing it. And that's what college basketball has been. This has been my problem. It, it's not black and white. Here's the rules. Here's not the rules. There's that border in there between the speed limit and the enforcement, that gray area. And teams have lived in that gray area and even wandered into the black don't do this area because they have had a feeling they're not going to touch us. We're Kansas, we're Duke, we're North right. Carolina. And if you're North Carolina, you did get away with it. I mean, you clearly cheated academically and nothing happened. And I think people from Kansas that are arguing, well, how about Duke and North Carolina? Well, how about you? Why don't, why don't you take accountability for you? And maybe that's coming later. But just if your argument is, well, other programs do it. 
that's not a valid argument. Right. But I will say this now. I have also been the guy for 20 years on the radio that said there is no reason to not cheat. There's never been a reason to not do what Kansas does. Never. The amazing part was the rest of the Big 12 apparently didn't or didn't do it very well. And they just let them have a run of house all these years. And embarrassed for the Big 12 is an understatement. Look, if I'm the commissioner of this league, I'm gathering up some presidents right now and saying, are we going to take action against this program right now? To heck with the NCAA. We've seen enough. This has been a year and a half. Are we going to let them play in the the Big 12 tournament this year? What are we going to do with this program? Are we as a league going to make a statement that we will not accept each other cheating each other? That that's not going to fly. And clearly one program has been cheating the others in this league now for a long, long time. Why does the league put up with it? I mean, seriously, the, the Big 12 presidents ought to get together, take a vote, and have some action against Kansas of some sort. At least find them or keep their tournament money or their share or something because you've just been getting robbed blind all these years. Right. Now, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm insulting Kansas over this. I'd have done the same thing, I'm pretty sure. I agree. Nobody ever got in trouble, and there's just money everywhere, and I could pay Billy Preston $90,000 to his mom to get him there, and I'm not going to get caught, and if I do, nothing's going to happen. Probably doing it. Everybody's probably doing it, right? Right. It, it, at the highest level to get those players. So I'm not going to sit here and bash them for what they did. 60 years of history says there's no reason to stop doing it. The big question is, will this be the reason to stop doing it? I mean, you have a cathedral dedicated to college basketball, built on what you've done. And the side note to that is it's been kind of built on sand. You've been doing things that other programs don't do, and now your fans think they literally invented college basketball. Well, that's not true. And it's been a great source of frustration for not just Kansas State or Missouri fans or other Big 12, Big 8 fans, but around the country that – you know, I feel like my program, whether it's, I don't know, just pull a program out of the hat, is following the rules. Why are we following the rules when nothing happens? Because in the past, nothing happened to Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, UCLA, on down the list. It happened to Western Kentucky, UNLV, uh, those type of programs. Uh, if you're UCLA back in the day or Indiana, you do whatever you wanted to. God knows what they were doing in the 70s when they built their dynasties. And now it just passed on to Kansas and North Carolina and Duke, whatever they want to do. I hope that ends because there can't be two class systems in college basketball or college sports in general. The ones that follow the rules and the ones who get ahead by not. And that's the way it's been. And everyone knows it. KU fans know it. They know it. They see what these kids drive. They see the life they lead. And and yet that's okay because we're Kansas and everyone else does it, so it's fine. That's true. There's also going to be a big. Uh, there's going to be a big push, especially in national media. Guys like Jay Billis are going to be all over this. They're going to look at this and say, "Okay, Kansas is going to file a lawsuit, and we think this can be the end of amateurism." Because there, there, there are right. all kinds of powerful people in college athletics that want to turn into minor league professional sports, mostly because of basketball, but also some football, name and likeness, and and some of these other things. They're going to use this as the impetus to completely and fundamentally change college athletics and make it minor league sports. And maybe I'm just an old guy, uh, get off my lawn or whatever, but I really don't want that to happen. I really don't. I think it'd be a a real shame for college athletics. I, I still think there is something to getting education. Most of these kids go and get an education, and that's the reason that they're there. All we hear about is the high profile ones going pro early, but that's not the hundreds of kids at K State or KU that are competing in athletics. I've spoken to a couple of guys on the golf team that have like one-eighth of a scholarship. And they're thrilled to have one-eighth of a scholarship and get to go play golf while they're in college, get free clothes, free golf balls, free clubs. They're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, we completely lose perspective of how great the opportunity is to go get your education and play a sport you love when you are never going to be good enough to be a professional. Right. And you can make the argument then the problem here has been the one and dones, the players that never had an intention of staying and getting their education. Let's not lose sight of what this is supposed to be about. These are academic institutions. And the fact that you're allowing one and dones to come in and play for a year only fuels the argument of those who want to get rid of amateurism. It only propels that because it's clear you're making the argument 
for them saying, look, if a kid comes in and takes 12 hours of basket weaving and stays eligible the first semester, he doesn't really have to go to class the second semester because by the time we'd rule him ineligible, he's already been drafted. It's just comical what they've turned college basketball into. I agree with you. And it's almost always somebody high profile from one of the 10 or 15 programs we're talking about. Almost always. Right. And I, I almost feel like the way to get about this is that, first of all, they have to end this one and done. If you if you want to go play professional basketball, um, go play. we're not your feeder system. We're not your development league. Go play in the, the development league or Europe or, you know, wherever you can make your living. If you don't want to get an education, you know, that's great. It, basketball can be like, a, you know. An electrician. You don't have to have a college education to do that. Go do it, man. Go get your money. I'm happy for you. But leave college basketball about an education. And I would say if a player leaves school after less than two years, you can't use that scholarship again until then or even three years. If they completely leave academics Fine, that's okay. You recruited them, but that scholarship belongs to that player uh, until we, you know, deem that whatever the period is. They've got to do something to get education, the purpose of the student athlete, back in this because they really lost it. Amen. A hundred percent what you said, as always. Perfect. His name is Kevin Keatsman. He is a legend, and he has done a lot for me through the years. We've been a long time friend. We went to K State at the same time, but didn't know each other. Uh, which I find remarkable because I was probably just drunk and he was doing radio. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty much my, you know, the great thing about journalism is I could do it in my sleep and uh, usually I was asleep I, until about noon. I did one night at KSGB, I did one night uh, put a 13-minute live version of Dire Straits, Sultans of Swing on and ran out to the parking lot and had a beer and came back in. That's beautiful. That's all. That's not just a, a student radio thing. That is old radio. Yeah. You know, just put on. Yeah. And I could mo- and I could monitor the signal from my car. <laughs> if it doesn't work, which is kind of what I'm doing now, all these years later, yep. driving around Kansas City listening. How about that? It's beautiful. Well, Gates, thank you very much for joining us on the Sources Podcast. We appreciate it. We hope to have you back, and uh, you know, maybe we'll need you to deliver something to Manhattan so we can go have a beer. <laughs> Count me in. Thank you, brother. Okay, brother. We'll be back after the break with a special announcement about some programming changes at GoPowerCat.com. And former K-State safety Monty Spiller joins me on the PowerCat Sources Podcast. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, 
roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Sources Podcast, sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, here in the second segment, we're joined by former Kansas State safety Monty Spiller, who I just fired. <laughs> Big announcement coming from uh, Go Powercat. We're going to repurpose uh, some of our efforts here. Uh, and one of the great things about being part of 24-7 is we're constantly able to check our analytics and see what's working, what isn't. And instead of just plodding along blindly in the dark, uh, if something's not working, we can change it. So we've got a couple things that, that have not been working, and we're going to make some changes here. The sample, my grand concept that caused controversy within 24-7 because they're afraid you guys are just going to be laying on the floor drunk or something, I don't know, <laughs> um, is no more. We've decided to shut it down. just wasn't getting the viewership. But I am happy to announce that this will probably be uh, the last regular edition of the Sources podcast. We might bring it back during basketball. But for the interim, the rest of football season, certainly 10-plus weeks, we will have the Tannehill and Spiller podcast in the Tuesday slot. So you'll be sitting in this beautiful studio. Outstanding. You notice all the pictures on the wall? You're not uh, up there, buddy. Yeah, and what's up with that? I don't know. We gotta get you in Tannehill. Definitely. Maybe like in a like down by the floor. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> you got some greats up there, so no no complaints. Yeah, it's uh it, it got down to uh, elimination. Who do we actually not put up there? Because it's a, it's a pretty impressive bunch of players that have come through Kansas State University, including the basketball guys. Yeah. Man, this off week was good for me. I hope it was good for the team. When you were playing at Kansas State, what were off weeks like? Coaches could probably just grinded right through them. Yeah, it, it was a situation where, you know, you get a little bit of rest, but you prepare for two teams, you know. Obviously, the upcoming game against Okie State this coming Saturday, and then the following week, you throw a couple of things in against Baylor and kind of prepare, and it's a good opportunity for some young guys uh, to get extra reps and some older guys, uh, seasoned guys, to get some rest. So it's, it's a good thing. With the new coaching staff, is it even a better thing? I mean, I know that they've been implementing everything as they go. They, it's not one of those cases where they haven't put – you know, eighty percent of the playbook, and they're pretty far deep into the playbook. But you got to keep polishing. You got to make sure that you can actually run it on game day. No, definitely, and it gives them an advantage because, like I say, you know, with Okie State playing Texas this past weekend, it gives gives us a chance to see some things that Oklahoma State does, and where we didn't have a game, they didn't really get a chance to get any extra film on us. So it gives us opportunity to prepare more for Oklahoma State, and and to also throw some new things in that they can't prepare for. During your busy schedule, did you get watch much football this weekend oh my gosh i i was in a football coma but i was a happy camper <laughs> yeah becky came home and goes what have you been doing all day and i said watching football so nothing i go no this is work yeah <laughs> this, this is work this is my job yeah oklahoma state as i've said uh on another podcast i i can't figure out if oklahoma state was really good in texas they couldn't put them away or if they both were kind of just groping around in that game and neither one of them were good enough to finish it off and I think you know one thing I learned about Oklahoma State at the quarterback position they are very athletic that oh, kid yeah. he can he can move and um I respected him as a player from watching him earlier in the year but against a big 12 opponent on the road the kid makes plays and he he is something special so I see why Oklahoma State is so high on him yeah, and then Chubba Hubbard, their running back, they're working him into the ground. Yeah. He can't keep doing this. I think he was at Riley Gates shared a stat with me. He's like six carries shy of what he was last year or something. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. 32 and 37 carries, I think, the last two weeks. Um, that looked familiar to me. <laughs> um, not the same player. It was always the the quarterback often at K-State. But uh, that looks like an offense that is really struggling to find 
an array of things that work, so you just got to keep doing the same things over and over. Yeah, to kind of go go to what works for him. And, and for K-State looking at it, you know, you shut down the quarterback, shut down the running back, you got a good chance. You know, force the quarterback to throw. He can throw, make some throws, but I feel like if we contain those two, uh, we got a good chance. But like you said, those are the two workhorses for him, and those guys can play some good football. But no matter who you are after so much of a beating, it, it takes a toll on you. And yeah. I think that that's going to catch up with him eventually. I don't have a full grasp on Texas's offense, so I couldn't figure out, um, you know, Sam Ellinger is one of those guys that can be awesome and just okay. Yeah. And I think he was just okay against Oklahoma State for the most part. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Texas carried on the mantle of K-State muffing punts. They muffed a couple of them. <laughs> Like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jinx, you're it. Uh, you can take that mantle from now on. But I don't, I'm not sure Oklahoma State's defense is going to handle K-State's running game. I think that's the defining factor. You know, um, both sides of the ball. I think our O-line will control the line of scrimmage, and I think our D-line will do a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback. Now, linebackers have to keep contained and scrape and keep their odds up. But um, going back to the Mississippi State game, uh, our O-line and D-line control the line of scrimmage. And I think um, – I don't – well, I think – Mississippi State's D-line is better than Oklahoma State's D-line as a whole. They have some standout players, but we're going to run the ball, and I think we'll do it with great confidence in different formations. So uh, it should be interesting. Mike Gundy with the ultimate coach speak this week <laughs> on the Big 12 teleconference at the offense at K-State looks the same to him. I, I told my guys, I said, I hope for Oklahoma State fans, he's just being very, very generic because it is not the same offense at all. Yeah. Uh, this is a confusing offense K-State runs. I mean, it's not just about running the ball. They, they really move you as a defender around and make sure, uh, try to get you out of position. As a former safety, that would be something you would be involved in. How maddening is it with the shifts and all that movement? I'll tell you what, it definitely forces you to to not get caught peaking. And the difference with K-State's offense, I think, compared to a lot of other offenses, everything they do has a purpose. And it may not be implemented specifically at that one play, but two plays down the road, another series, they run the same formation, and they basically see how you react to it and come back and give you the same look and run something totally opposite of what they gave you initially. So as a defensive player, you better be have a well-trained eye and, and not get caught peeking because you can get in trouble. Yeah, and that's what K-State's offense is intended to do. Yep. Uh, get guys that haven't, you know, aren't disciplined enough to follow the keys and, and get them out of position or get them looking the wrong way. It is a fun offense to watch, isn't uh, it? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'll tell you what, being a defensive guy, you know, I love good defense, but just seeing how K-State manipulates people, it, it's fun. It's a good time. It really is. And, and we've only kind of scratched the surface with this offense. They're going to start unveiling more and more as they go. Uh, which I'm looking forward to. They, they didn't quite show as much as Miss, at Mississippi State as I thought they would. They, yeah, they didn't have to. to be honest, and, and, yeah. and I hate to come off arrogant or feel like we were just the more dominant team, but we were. But why, why show more if you don't have to? You're moving the ball. I look back at that game uh, now being more than a week ago, and I'm just astonished at K-State's running numbers. You know, they didn't even break 150 yards, and yet it felt like they pummeled Mississippi State on the ground. And I think it gave fans – a good feeling of what this offense is really about. It's really not about racking up all those yards on the ground. It's about setting a tone and making that defense so committed to the run. Bam, we got to have a big play. There we go, a little play action, and you forgot to cover Dalton Show. Exactly, exactly. And and, and one thing people are taking notice of, and um, hopefully Oklahoma State, doesn't catch on too quick. With K-State using the tight ends more than they have in the past, um, that's another problem they have to worry about. Uh, any K-State teams in the past, Oklahoma, uh, with the uh, tight ends, they were more used for blocking than pass, but they'll block, and then all of a sudden you got a guy coming out of the backfield uh, from a wing formation, and, and that's a fullback and that's playing tight end or a tight end that's playing fullback, and the guy can block and catch, so pick your poison. Yeah, and they have a lot more they can do with these tight ends and fullbacks and uh, it's it's going to be really fun to watch this thing evolve. And, and even though it's all on film, uh, Ross Uglum, uh, our North Dakota State expert, did a really nice breakdown of these systems in the preseason. And, of course, the offensive system was very in-depth because he'd seen it all from Courtney Messingham up there in Fargo. The defense was a little bit different because Scotty Hazleton had moved on to Wyoming, had kind of picked up some different things along the way. And we really haven't seen what he wants to do on defense, have we? He, he's no. He's not – 
we saw a little bit more at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And maybe this game will be very similar because, like Mississippi State, they have a running back. Oklahoma State has a running back. You better keep an eye on. Definitely. I think the game plan they use at Mississippi State will probably be implemented similar with a few different looks. I think the kid from Mississippi State was a little more physical, but the kid from Oklahoma State is physical and a little more shifty. The kid can hit the corner and go. So um, they're going to be prepared for him, but it'll be interesting to see how they attack him. And Oklahoma State gets you into the spread a little bit more than what K-State's seen. I'm anxious, I think that's the word I want to use, to see what Scotty Hazleton does against the spread. How he addresses that. Does he get more aggressive, less aggressive? Because I know what K-State would have done in the past few years. (laughs) Just back up and don't get beat deep, which, which, you know, worked, but boy, it sucked. Yeah, I don't don't think, and and I can't read Coach's mind, but I think he'll continue to attack. They got the guys that can um, put pressure on a quarterback and force him into bad throws, and even what four wide receivers you got, they they trust the D-backs. I've noticed a lot more man coverage than we have in the past you know k-state traditionally has been a zone coverage team and you know try to keep everything underneath and in front of you but this year i've seen a lot of man up and they bring in heat so it'll be interesting to see who were your cornerbacks back when you were playing um joe gordon chris canny um pretty good yeah good guys um my my younger years kenny mcintyre thomas randolph guys that can run you know uh we had the shot carter um back then you're doing some Press corner, straight-up man off on the outside. Definitely, definitely, yeah. It's funny, the previous staff said they didn't have the guys to do it, and at one point they had two guys that are in the NFL as their corners. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And now they got two younger guys. Uh, We expect uh, Walter Neal Jr. to be back, which is good. Yes. And, of course, A.J. Parker, who's a completely different player this year. Oh, like night and day. Last year he looked young. You could tell. I remember watching him play against West Virginia last year and uh, a couple of plays – where he was in position to make the play, he just didn't go get it. Yeah. You know, and this year, first game of the season, I believe it was, he gets a pick, he, he reads the quarterback, he sits in the zone, jumps a great ball, and I'm like, hey, the kid's growing up. It was like he was always thinking last year. He yeah. was thinking about what am I supposed to do and also what is going to make the coaches mad. Exactly. He was afraid to make a play. He was uh-huh. afraid to mess up, you know, and, and, and go, go be a guy. Yeah. Go be a guy. So, yeah. he, he, as much as we talk about Skylar Thompson – uh, his evolution on the offense side of the ball being a totally different person and player. A.J. Parker's the same way. Yeah, definitely. And, but in, and with A.J. being a cornerback, his position is not as glorified as a quarterback, right. which is, is that's the game. That's the sport. It is what it is. But as a whole, the three other guys playing in the secondary with you, knowing that he's playing confident and they're pretty solid as well, that completes the secondary. You know, Denzel Goosby, he's kind of picked up from last year. He's healthy. Uh, he's making the right reads. He's making good plays. So, as a secondary, they're looking good. I'm excited. I hope that Jones learns a lot from yeah. his mistakes at Mississippi State yeah. uh, because he's he's kind of a headhunter. Yeah, he, he, he likes to hit. He's in the wrong era of college football. Yes. Um, he needs to be taking out that BYU receiver across the middle. Yes, And indeed. he's got that Mario Smith mentality to him. Yes, he does. And now you've got to play Patty cakes back there. You can't really do that. Although both of his hits, uh, one was clearly out of bounds, and the other one was just <laughs> yeah. quarterback slide. Man, you can't. You okay, can't. You gotta let up. You, you gotta defeat physics sometimes. Yeah. You, even if you're in the motion and all your body weight's going, somehow you gotta defeat physics and get it. Not hit him. Just dive over him. Just, just you have to avoid him. And I get it. And I love the fact that he wants to lay a hit on somebody because uh, the deeper we get in the Big Twelve schedule, it's going to be needed. But you got to be smart about it. And that's a learning process as a freshman. Oh just, yeah. Just that little moment where you got to be able to hit the brakes. Yeah. But it speaks volumes about him that they trust him as a freshman. Right. To be in that role. So they said he's the vocal leader back there, yeah. which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because honestly, as much as I love Denzel Goolsby as a player, you would never say he's a physical headhunter. No. He's very cerebral back there. Smart player. Uh, so adding uh, another safety with him that wants to rip everyone's head off, I think it's nice. It's fun. It's, <laughs> football's great. Exactly. So let's get into you a little bit. You Now, you work with my wife at a local retirement community, and uh, that's your day job, and you're really good at it, by the way, bud. I appreciate it. I mean, it. you're not uh, out there doing a hands-on nursing. You're not a nurse, for God's sakes. You no. work with the community. Yeah. And it's a really cool community. But you also coach. You're you're helping out at uh, Rock Creek. Rock Creek. Yeah, I'm the defense coordinator. How'd that, how'd that come about? Well, I, I've been in coaching for a while. Well, I have been out of coaching uh, previous year 
years. I, I was a defensive coordinator at a Hayes High, and I coached secondary at Fort Hayes State for several years also. And then we, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So uh, I was under uh, Kevin Verdugo, and then uh, for a little bit under Coach Brown, who is currently the head coach at Fort Hayes. But my, well, my wife and I, we decided to make the move back to Manhattan. Um, I kind of got out of the co- coaching, and uh, I got two boys, uh, one that's currently a freshman and one that's a sixth grader. And so I've been spending my last seven years coaching youth football, <laughs> which is a little bit different uh, going from high school to college athletes to second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. It's kind of like dealing with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Seab is a new head coach out there. He took over this past year for Coach uh, Beam, and he called me up and said, hey, I got a good chance to get the uh, job at a Rock Creek. Would you be interested in being my D.C. if I get? And I said, let me check with my full-time job to be sure they can mm-hmm. accommodate me. And they were in agreement with it. And we worked the logistics out. And so we start working this summer with the kids. And I love it. You know, it's a situation where I get to be around young people and, and, and get them motivated and kind of teach them the way of football that I was taught. And uh, hopefully they continue to love the sport as much as I do. And that's your your boys' school district, right? Yes, yes. My my oldest son is a freshman at Rock Creek. He, he He's uh, – I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. He gets to play for dad. And uh, also Coach Spiller, as I make him call me during practice, not dad. But uh, <laughs> he loves it out there. It's a great school district. It's continuing to grow. It's a 3A school. Uh, we have some good teams in our, in our district. But uh, it's, it's been an awesome season so far. That's cool. It, with the way the population's moving in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and honestly, people fleeing the taxes of Manhattan oh, yeah. that have gone crazy, that school is going to be 4A before you know it. Uh, yeah, I can see it in less than three or four years if that. It's, it's growing and people want to be there. So, yeah. There's a lot of good schools in the area, but when someone asks me what school district, you know, I would advise them to be in, I always I always say that. Although, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of good schools around. I wouldn't hesitate for Wamego. No. Uh, you know, I'm talking about people that want to get outside of Manhattan because more and more people do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's common. I know um, you get the military families. You get a few people that are were former college students uh, that moved back to Manhattan, mm-hmm. former employees. And they ask, you say, hey, you know, they love Manhattan. They want to be in the mix, especially during football season. But during the week, when you're going to work, the hustle and bustle, you don't want to be around the campus unless you work on campus. You know, Park County is a great place to be. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. I love it. So, People are fleeing Manhattan. If you're an outsider, you don't know that the, the taxes in Manhattan are just – it's it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy what they're doing. But Friday night football, that's kind of – getting back in that, as a guy that played in Texas yeah. and how special it is in Texas, still being under the lights on a Friday night has got to be just special as a coach. Yeah, I, I joke about it with my wife. I tell her, I say, Friday – my Fridays are ruined because, you know, I go to work at Metal Ark and it's one of those things where I enjoy my job, but I, I get my job done, but – uh, I'll send an email, then I focus on tonight's game. I'm like, all right, what do we got to do? Uh, who are the studs we got to stop? Okay, this is what's going on. So, And it's exciting. It's not like a, a burden. So basically my Fridays are ruined in a good way because I'm so excited about Friday night football. Love it. So uh, no drinking in the courtyard on Fridays <laughs> for Monty. Exactly. At least during football. Yeah, my, Medlark Hills is a really special place. I'm, I'm ready to move in, partner. I really am. I got a spot for you. I mean, it, it's it's like if we can accommodate all the dogs uh, and I don't have to mow anymore, and I, which I don't do now. I hired right. that out. But, man, it's, it's a cool place. Back to K-State now. That win at Mississippi State changed everything in terms of context of where this team can go. It did. You know, I think a lot of people going in – prior to that game, prior to the season, everybody was looking at the schedule, and they're like, K-State should be 2-0 and going into Mississippi State without having any knowledge of what Coach Kleiman's staff was going to do the first two games. After we pretty much dominated uh, game one and two, everybody was saying, okay, this is the real test. On the road – SEC, um, mid-level SEC team, upper level la- last couple of years. Nobody really knew what they were going to bring. They dominated a Southern Miss team the week before pretty much. Okay, what is K-State going to do? And um, they pretty much, if there was any doubt, they, sh- they shut them up temporarily, you know, and which yeah. is great. But it showed a lot about us as a team because we led most of the game, and there was a moment where a few muff punts, uh, some bad calls, bad plays put us behind the eight ball, but they never quit. And as we spoke to before, I said, I never felt like we were going to lose a game, even no. when we were behind. No, it was a weird sense, and they had it on the sideline. That everyone was very calm, I guess, and, and uh, nobody panicked, and they knew they were just going to find a way to get more points than the other team, even though they made a lot of mistakes. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's funny, um, after Sean scored that touchdown, his body language, and, and, and 
I couldn't understand what he was saying to his teammates, but he basically had to look on his face like these guys can't cover me. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he had the confidence about him. And he goes, these guys cannot stay with us. And that's the kind of vibe that I got from these guys. And I was like, K-State, special year. We talk a lot about the running game with this offense, but boy, it's got to be fun to be a receiver. You don't get the ball as often, but the routes are so different. Oh, yeah. The coaches are putting you in a position to catch and run yeah. as opposed to go to this spot and we'll turn around and we'll throw it to you. Yeah, yeah. And then you get tackled, yeah. which is not fun. And I think that's going to, moving forward, you know, open up because K-State has been the one team um, in the last how many years that was still a true run first, pass second in the Big 12. And I think we still are a true run first, pass second, but we open it up a little bit more than what people are used to, and that puts us in a situation where you can't game plan for us like you used to. No. Yeah. You know, hey, pick your poison. <laughs> I know. I as, as this unveils, as I said a little bit earlier, it's just going to be really fun to watch them peel back the layers of this offense. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think Oklahoma State's going to walk up into that box and say, okay, Skylar Thompson, yeah. we think your numbers are a fluke. Beat us over the top if you can. And, and uh, he's capable of doing it. Definitely. I'm excited for Skyler. I am, too. I'm excited for Malik Knowles. Oh, yeah. That this kid, fly. another freshman that is just beginning to show what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about K-State's great shootouts they had recently in, in Stillwater, but they had Byron Pringle. Yeah, and Byron's who's with the Chiefs now. Yeah. He was, he was, we missed him, but, you know, next man up. I know. It's showing how good the Chiefs receivers are. Byron's a slow guy. I know, right? <laughs> Runs a 4-4, and he's the slow guy. You're kind of slow. <laughs> yeah, you're the possession guy. Uh, and we'll see if Malik Knowles can step into that role, be the big play, dynamic receiver. I think he's up for it. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And also, I made a comment to one of my buddies. I said, you know, K-State special teams have kind of been a down or what as far as the return game you know punt return we muffed a couple of punts we haven't had one I don't think we've taken one back yet uh in the game and yeah. normally we do you mm-hmm. know by this time of the year we take at least two back and same with the kickoff and sure enough uh Noah steps up in a crucial moment and houses one and I'm just like that's what we need no it was dynamic game-changing electric it it was what K-State special teams have always been and need to be, honestly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Need to be. You need to be a little bit better than uh, everyone else in that area just to compensate for some other things. Yep. And if you're good in that area and you don't need to compensate in other areas, you end up being the, the 97, 98, yeah. 99, yep. 2000, those cats. Yep. The cats that people came to love and missed, but I think we're on the right path. I agree. I think we're on the right path. I agree. It's been an interesting growth from Coach Snyder into Coach Kleiman, and we'll see if uh, – I think this is a huge game. We'll see if they can get it done. Yeah. It's I'm, just enormous. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, it's, <laughs> I got my uh, ESPN Plus. I was literally going to ask you that. <laughs> Have you got your ESPN Plus yet? I do. I do. Crazy. But uh, I got it hooked up where it's going to play on my screen at home, and, uh, you know, it is what it is, and I'm going to support the cast no matter what. and. And I go from there. I'm really surprised at how good the stream is. I'm I'm yeah. really pleased. I, I watched that KU West Virginia game, yeah, and one, here, once here. the it kind of comes in at low grade, and then once it locks in, it's like this is like watching TV. Yeah, you never known it was a stream. Yeah, and it's not like ESPN's doing dramatically lower quality of production. They've got real announcers in there. They've got yeah. all, just as many cameras. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I was I was surprised with the commentating and everything else. It was a good quality game. On Saturday when K-State plays Oklahoma State, it, it's just going to be off the radar a little bit. Yeah. They're still building the, yeah. the viewership. And if K-State wins that, so be it. Yeah, Just keep flying under the radar. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Like I think we're, we're 22 on one poll this week. And, I, and well deserved for the guys. You had a couple of teams ahead of us lose, which that's part of it. But, you know, we nobody's going to pick it. I think we're still an underdog going in. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we like it. And, you know, keep winning. Keep it quiet. And all of a sudden, you know, 4-0 and then 5-0. And all of a sudden, wait a minute. What's going on in Manhattan? Exactly, exactly. Well, K-State and Baylor is slated for that 2.30. Oh, my gosh. We don't know what channel it's on slot. It'll be a national game, but it'll be on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, the shopping channel, Lifetime, (laughs) Oprah. We're not sure what it'll be on, but uh, it will be a national game, and it will be on traditional TV, so that's good. And the the Bears are hosting Iowa State in a rather huge game in that ABC, ESPN took that game, which surprised me, but that's big. Both teams could be 
unbeaten going yeah. into Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it sets up. It's good for the Big 12 uh, that we are competing uh, with other teams outside our conference, but going into conference, we have a few teams that are still undefeated because, you know, as we get deeper into the schedule, people are going to lose, and it's going to basically separate the old teams, and the, the, the whatever and old teams, to the one, the one lost team, two lost teams. So it makes for good football, and it makes it exciting, and that's what makes football football. I don't know if the Big 12 is awful or uh, <laughs> pretty good this year, but I know this K-State is in the mix, and, boy, that's a good feeling. It is it's a good, real good feeling. His name's Monty Spiller. He's a good friend of mine and my wife's, and he uh, is a former Kansas State safety. What were years did you play again? I always uh, forget this. I know, 93 to 97. I always have in my head you were earlier than that. I think you're old. Uh, we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so he was uh, right there when K-State football started climbing into bowls and climbing the ladder, and he knows K-State football very well. Stay tuned for more details on the Tannehill and Spiller Powercat podcast as they take over this Tuesday slot going forward. They will sit around and talk about the Cats a little bit, just like we did, but it's two former players, and then they'll call up one of their buddies. It's kind of fun. Monty's Snyder 1.0, Travis is Snyder 2.0, so they've got a plethora of people in their Rolodexes. Do you have a Rolodex? What's a Rolodex? Okay, that was old. <laughs> uh, they, have, they have a lot of contacts, so uh, it'll be them talking to ex-players from here going forward, and hopefully that will be up and running next Tuesday in this slot with the PowerCat Podcast. Monty, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate we'll, it. We'll be back tomorrow on the PowerCat Podcast. You've been listening to the PowerCat Sources Podcast presented by Blue Mark Energy. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.